Hi friends, welcome back to In The Pink with me, Natalie Pinkham and Bose, helping you stay connected throughout lockdown and beyond. Thank you to Bose for everything that you've done and the uh, great giveaway of the Bose Nose Cancelling Headphones. We've still got five pairs to give away, so make sure you rate, review, subscribe, tag in a friend and leave the hashtag Bose and it could be you winning them. Uh, thanks also for your feedback on the Lando Norris podcast. Um, that went down well, as I expected it would. He's such a legend. Uh, still only 20 years old, but uh, making a real impression, not just on the track, but social media and in all of his interviews. Right, next up, we have got the Rugby World Cup winner and tireless fundraiser and, of course, Sky Sports pundit, Mr Will Greenwood. He gives me his unique insight on Eddie Jones, the England setup, and why he believes England lost the Rugby World Cup final last year, and where England can go from here once sport gets going again. So here he is, Mr. Will Greenwood on In the Pink. So how are you, Greens? How are you coping under lockdown? How's the family? All right, not too bad. Um, different rooms of the house, getting on with things, trying to have some sort of routine, some sort of structure. Uh, training pretty hard in between um, eating very strict I've just thought if I'm locked up at home then why not just cut out all the rubbish so uh, yeah so I love it I, I'm, my mindset's always been able to to switch into short-term project challenges therefore if I decide I'm going to do something I sort of set off on it uh, I think I'll probably drive the rest of my family mad in the process, but um, we're, we're okay. We're you know we're all right. Matilda's um, uh, tricksy, but good. You know we have good days. I was actually listening to Simon Sinek. We don't have good and bad days now. I'm changing my vocabulary. We have ahead and behind days. Ah, okay. So okay. yesterday, four of us had an ahead day and one had a behind day. It's the infinite game, you see. There's no winning or losing. You're just either slightly ahead of where you should be, were or slightly behind where you were. Um, so we'll 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 check in tonight, see how we're getting on. Um, yeah. How does um, this kind of enclosed environment impact her specifically with um, with autism? Because I would think yeah. maybe she has a slightly different reaction to it than most. Um. She loves it because she doesn't have to see see anyone or speak to anyone. It's very she's very happy with uh, in her own company, um, and and so our challenge is to make sure enough exercise, eating the right things. Um, it's the boys slightly different. Uh, I, I bought this monstrosity of golf net that I got abused for buying, and now it's literally worth a trillion pounds because. They're just playing golf the whole time. The worst buy ever has become the best buy ever. Uh, my Watt bike is a weapon torture for me. I was trying to do a sub 5K, 5K and sub 20, and I pinged my calf last Friday, so I've had to have a week off running. Uh, and then I'm doing a whole series of articles for the Telegraph. Uh, six titles, is it? Six titles. And we started with... Feedback, the use of feedback in life. We moved on to pressure, dealing with pressure. 
going to talk about difference next week. We've got well-being and we've got defeat. And then we may do a wrap-up piece about how those things can be taken or not, according to um, people wanting to have a little read, not too much rugby to write about. Although, weirdly enough, the Telegraph, in a positive way, was supposed to be the European Cup quarterfinals this week. So I did, because it was fresh at the time. As soon as we knew who the quarterfinals would be, I wrote a match preview for each quarterfinal. So they're running a virtual, like the Grand National, there's sort of a virtual European Cup, Champions Cup quarterfinals this weekend, and we're going to invite the Telegraph readers to, 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 to decide who they think will win or lose on the back of the match previews that I've done. And then the ones that get the most votes, I'll then do a match preview for a semi-final that won't happen. And then I'll do a match preview for a final. So I will do virtual match reports on how I think they would play out uh, according to who the readers of the Telegraph think will win on the back of my pieces. That's a great idea. I mean, in the absence of any live sport, that's about the next best thing we can get, isn't it? Just writing about it. I mean, a lot of the time people will say my match reports are games that they haven't seen anyway. <laughs> um, listen, on a serious note, your family has endured a horrible tragedy through coronavirus. And I actually... You lost your Auntie Jean, which, you know, is just utterly shattering. Um, I actually saw her picture come up on Sky News as part of the, the, the grim collage of, of those we'd lost. Um, how on earth are you coping with that? Because it suddenly just brings it all home. You know, we all try to be upbeat through all of this, but the reality is, is very different for your wider family, isn't it? Yeah, it was on BBC News as well. Last night, the collage, there was, I was just watching the news. I went, there's Auntie Jean. Uh, and then they went back again and uh, it was such a lovely photo my sister had of her. Yeah, so the huge challenge really is obviously for Claire and Richard who are her children. Um, she, um, but aunt, I mean a lot of people call aunt for different reasons but she is my mum's sister. Uh, my, and uh, there was a pair of was identical twins, Susan and Norma, and they had Jean as their older sister. So the twins struggling a little bit celebratory drink where we got everyone on board uh i don't think we use the party app i think do we use i don't know zoom i can't remember which anyway one of the things that we all came together on and we all shared nice stories about auntie jean the the, t the toughness will be on wednesday the 8th the funeral uh, there'll be no one there um so we'll have to do it in our own way at a different time and and the sadness the sadness of it all is um, she had years to go. I mean, years to go. I mean, she was an awesome lady. Um, she had looked after her husband, Uncle Colin, who'd had uh, dementia and spent five years looking after him. He'd passed away. So you sort of felt that actually she was free now to live again because living with dementia, with your partner with dementia, must be just a crucifying at times. She came through all that was just leaving the and he thought, right, okay, she gets she gets some Auntie Jean time. Um, and her great-granddaughter was born very, very recently and she only saw her on FaceTime and never got to meet her. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think it's, it's been nice. Nice is the wrong word. It's been interesting. It's, I'm not sure what the word to see other families telling their stories on the television in order to try and get it across 
to others that they really do have to stay at home. That mm-hmm. this sort of invisible virus that you think, oh, I'm fine, I'll get on with it. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, yeah, I think those stories make it real for people, the people that they know. And I know the death count, death toll now is above two and a half thousand and it was a 500 yesterday so we expected to be 600 today and 700 the day after um and eventually it'll you know we're looking at numbers like 10 11 12 13 14 thousand um and so it's there's, there's no judgment because um if people go out they go out i can't i'm not i'm not i'm not there yeah i'm not here to tell or to to damn them to hell uh, but just here to to hopefully put the human side of the story across, so that people who are thinking about going out and flouting the uh, the lockdown and doing what they would like to do, actually potentially might act, have them acting sort of selflessly in this big team effort that we're trying to put together. Mm, absolutely. Um, now, for those who haven't listened, you should uh, because. Greens and I did a podcast about a year ago together and you spoke so well and you've packed so much into your 47 years. 47? Yeah, um, yeah, nearly 48. Still look great. Uh, But I'm not going to go over the stuff we talked about there. I want people to listen back to that because all of that still stands true and firm. But we're going to sort of bring it up to date with what's gone on since then. In the pink and bows, really want to help during this lockdown. Now, whether we can or not is another question, but we can try and we're going to do that by giving away some more Bose noise cancelling headphones. To win them, just share mini anecdotes from your time in lockdown and give us some feedback on this series. Always put in the hashtag Bose and tag in a couple of mates to do the same and you never know those headphones could be yours. Good luck, stay safe and stay connected. Um, a lot's obviously happened in English rugby, reaching the, the World Cup final. Um, you were out there experiencing it with Caro. Um, what are your reflections now on that final? Um, and uh, I mean, like there's, there's plenty of banter that you boys have hung onto your corporate coin because they didn't win it and you still remain the only World Cup winners. But there must be a big part of your heart that was... Uh, crushed that day because it was it was it was heartbreaking wasn't it yeah I've um you know I was a England support away before I played for England I'll be an England support away after I've finished playing for England um so yeah I had the the England jersey on um we actually did an interview with Jack Whitehall before the final and the only spare shirt I had available was my wife's shirt I, of course, told Whitehall that it was, you know, a normal man-sized shirt. <laughs> I got him to squeeze into it. Uh, he actually got into a size 8 ladies rugby top. Um, looked pretty snug. I mean, he was, imagine an awesome upper body, but then flipped so it became belly and a less awesome upper body uh, with it. And then we went along with fans and the, the semi-final was unbelievable. Uh, an extraordinary occasion and, and people said to me 10 minutes in oh it's the All Blacks 20 minutes the All Blacks I said uh, and I've always believed that the All Blacks will come back having I mean, played against them and watched them years and I just went they're not coming back they're, 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 they're toast here 
Um, and unfortunately, in the final, you got the same sort of feeling. It was a little bit like 2007 when, you know, Mark Cueto had that near miss. And in this instance, I think Owen had a kick at 15-9 to make it 15-12. You missed it and the South Africans went at the other end and got three and went 18-9. But it sort of, it just felt like a, I think it was, who was it? Fury against Ruiz. Mm. Uh, which was a boxing masterclass, which was just a, a bigger man, just keeping the other tenacious scrapper at arm's length and doing what he had to do. So you just you mean AJ, like AJ Ruiz, the second AJ Ruiz fight. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Who did the uh, Fury Wilder was a similar sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah mixed yeah, up yeah. my two belts. Um, Joshua Ruiz and Fury Wilder. In both instances, it was uh, it was dominated by one opponent, and you felt even if the other opponent had a crack and landed one, that the other fighters still had enough. And I think rugby can often be like that: that there's going to be ebbs and flows. There's going to be times when even the team losing on the scoreboard will be dominant physically uh, and have the momentum with them. But you. It always felt like it would be wrestled back by South Africa. I, look, but the, England were the youngest team ever to play in a World Cup final collectively. Um, Tom Curry and Sam Underhill are kids. They've got at least one more World Cup. You can think of it potentially two. Um, you go through the whole squad who's coming through the size of English rugby. Um, uh, the quality of Eddie's coaches, the rotation of the coaches. And you go... English rugby's in a pretty good state. I think it's fair that Eddie got the the crap to 2023. Um, if he wanted to stay on the job and he'd done so well with England for four years, then uh, it would seem daft to throw all that IP out and get someone else to come in and start. Mm. You know, he rubs people up the wrong way, but that's just that's just Eddie. Uh, I suppose that so, could be interesting you know, in some ways. Yeah, look, I think feedback and uh, how they do it and occasionally I occasionally you just feel there's a little bit too much siege mentality with these guys I do feel that just a little bit more openness um I know they'll say oh well openness my words will be twisted I'm not trying to be their dad I'm not trying to be their media manager in any way shape or form uh I just feel on occasion that they're spiky without needing to be spiky and there's times when you need to be spiky mm. i think that balance could could be slightly better but in terms of the quality of their effort and their input uh and their desire to be the world's best team you can't follow that collective in terms of the england senior squad is that is that spikiness born out of distrust do you think do, do you feel that they're just overly guarded Unnecessarily so. Um, I think a lot of it sometimes, you know, you, you you look up to the what the guy at the top's doing, and Eddie's pretty spiky uh, with that. And I think sometimes it's just his way. And you, you, it's like asking, you know, uh, it's like asking me to 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 leave my desk untidy, like. Why would you ever do that? <laughs> it's like asking me to go to bed with any emails in my inbox. Like, who would can ever do that? My, can you tackle my inbox, please? Just go, move on. 
Deleted. Yeah, and so that's how he is. But I think that's then picked up. And I think there's also a, a, a group of players who feel strongly about certain things and have a voice and quite right. They don't want to be pigeonholed into it. But I just... I feel there's, in life there can be a softer way of doing it. I'm not asking them to lose their edge on the pitch. Mm. Uh, and at times, I'm not asking them to lose their edge off the pitch. I just think I think they could potentially pick better battles to have. That's interesting. Um, I watched that uh, behind-the-scenes documentary series with them. I um, can't remember what it's called, but it was all through the World Cup. And... There seems, uh, you know, and it probably is the case with most professional athletes that they they seem quite regimented. They and that's you know probably a good thing. Um, I do love to see a, the odd explosion of character and personality, the likes of Joe Marler, for example. But then, as we've seen lately with him, it can get you into trouble. Um, does does the game need characters, um, or can that be to the detriment of the of the greater good and their success? No, I, look, I think. I don't want to quote, well, I was going to say I don't want to quote Oscar Wilde at you, but I'll now end up um, quoting Oscar Wilde. I need to, when I do this, what was he? I need to make sure I get it right. I think it's something along the lines of be yourself because everyone else is taken. Yes, yes. Uh, I think that's what he said. That is it, that is it, that's the one. Be yourself, everyone else is already taken. So, um, uh, allowing people to feel comfortable to express themselves is is the best environment to be in the world. Going to work and being the best, being allowed to be the best version of yourself, is the best place in the world. I then do think that then when you're transported and you are an England player, whether you like it or not, there is a responsibility that comes with it to. I don't mean live strictly according to rules or parameters, but to understand morally and ethically where the line is. Mm. I mean, I know in Friends, you can't go from Oscar Wilde to Friends, but some people, he's, he's so far past the line, the line is a dot. You know, uh, and I think on occasion, go past the line, but don't go flying past the line. And I think there is a, a, a wonderful balance and the, and the top people get that, that balance right. And then there are others who don't want to give anything of themselves away. And that's absolutely their decision and, and, and a conscious one. And, and that's different characters as well. Like in any rugby team, there are those who sit in the corner and want to not talk to anyone and stare at a wall 10 minutes before punch the wall before they go and there's others the other side of the change we're playing exactly the same game playing exactly the same stage and exactly in front of the same crowd with exactly the same opponents and I'll be asking you what you call two Spanish firemen uh, what do you call Jose and Jose B <laughs> <laughs> you know how <laughs> <laughs> have I never heard that joke before and um, you go through things like that, and so you see that you don't. But never the twain shall meet, and so yeah. uh, I, as I, you know, I think, that, and this is what happens with life. And they'll they go, oh, not another blithering idiot who's old and past it, telling us what to. Do. I'm not telling them what to do. I'm just 
trying to recount at times that there were probably times where I regret what I said and other times where actually I wish I'd said more and I think it's you've just got to find that balance and I think you've also got to understand that don't tire everyone with the same brush so the vast majority of the people who are reporting who are trying to grow the game champion the game by and large are not trying to have a personal assault on people there are those that do yes i'm wittering on a little bit i just i think every everyone in this world wants this world to be binary everyone in this world wants this world to be yes or no black or white uh united or city whereas actually why can't you be a little bit of both mm. i tell you what I mean, it, I, uh, yeah go on sorry no no i mean it's uh, so uh, people say how can you be both united and city and what i mean by that is i i'd always support city but if united are playing in europe i support united in europe you know if you're united against real madrid why would i want the spaniards to beat man united i'm from blackburn but anyway that's just me. My city mates will disown me for that. It's a nice analogy. Um, it's, it's, it is interesting what you say about um, being tarred with the same brush, because I certainly like when I'm interviewing drivers after the race, there will be some who just just have um, walls just go up when, uh, when somebody's interviewing them. And what I want to try and remind them is that we're just the conduit. Actually, we're just trying to get their message to the fans. And, and I guess it's down to us, you, me, whoever else is asking the questions of them in that kind of heated moment, is just to get the tone right um, and, and not let them feel like they're being attacked, that we're just human beings and we're just giving them the platform to speak to their fans. You know, it's nothing personal, not trying to find them, cut them down, catch them, you know, catch them out, whatever it is. Um, just on the final, Aside from the theories about the rub of the green and the bounce of the ball and everything else, because you're right, it never felt from the off that we were going to win that final in a way that we absolutely were in the semis. Uh, why else do you think England lost? Now we've had the chance to reflect. Um, Carl Sinclair got banjoed early. Uh, Dan Cole was a... 30-minute player, come on, that's that was the plan. Um, and you sort of go, okay, remove remove one player from a 15 where I've got to force someone else now then to play 78 minutes and that player can't actually ship because there's only one person who can play that role. And you'd probably say that was the most important injury um, England would have ever had on a rugby field. Um, I was trying to remember which sport, in, it happened recently in a different sport, and you just go, wow, that was like Kyle Sinclair, sort of, it's known as a Sinclair moment where, uh, so that, that was pretty crucial. Um, I think, I don't want to get into it tactically, but clearly, um, They just started doing things they hadn't done in previous games. So the the errors, but therefore, but, but that's like saying that's an unforced error, but the pressure of playing the Springboks, I'm not talking about a World Cup final, when the Springboks are up for it, they're the most brutally physical team on the planet. 
I mean, it just they come at you and it's just there's just nowhere to go. And then you think, oh my God, there's a little bit of space over there. So you try and lob on over the top and that's not quite right because you're under pressure, you're about to get smashed. Um, and it's also to say, what did they get wrong? You could say South Africa played in three World Cup finals. They've never conceded a try. Uh, and England, in the passage of play between the 20th minute and the 40th minute, would have scored against every single team that's ever played rugby in existence. No question. The only one team could keep them out, and that's this current version of South Africa. Uh, and their defence was absolutely insane, from Am and Dialandia in the midfield to Etzebeth. Uh, Diego had gone off with a dislocated shoulder. He went off during that defensive period. Mostert came on. For Mullen was just an absolute mountain. And they had the ability to replace gargantuan men like Mal Herber with Koch and uh, Kitsov came on and Marks, Mal, Mabimbi, Mabimbi, the hooker had gone off and Malcolm Mark. It's just power, power, power. And uh, the oxygen gets sucked out of the environment in a World Cup final. And there's just no space and no room. And you could fill that with huge sort of Easter Island statues that South African men are. It'd be difficult to go anywhere. So I actually, you know, if I, if I was answering that question as, a, as an England player now talking about that, I would sort of reframe your question. And go, we, we sort of gave it our, our best shot. And under pressure, we struggled to deliver the basics that we've been able to do in previous games. But conversely, I would acknowledge the extraordinary physical intensity and pace and and bottle to play, which they did. They didn't just beat them up. Pollard and uh, Mapimpi uh, and Cheslin Colby and Willie LaRue went, yeah, great. We're going to have a go here. So I just think they wrestled control of the game. So it was a more a case of South Africa winning than England losing? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I thought, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I made a lot of duff predictions. I thought France would win the Grand Slam this year. And they were going to know until some daft apeth, until some Mohammed Awas punched Jamie Ritchie. Uh, that was... Yeah, and I, I always felt South Africa would win the World Cup. And did you? Did you? Since Elizabeth came in, I was very vocal about it. Elizabeth coming, not Elizabeth, um, Erasmus coming in as coach, making Sia Khaleesi as captain, the purpose, uh, special team, and uh, they should be acknowledged for that. And I think England are a, are a special team. And and I suppose the spike in this thing came in that, that they didn't play well for the first 40 minutes in France. And if you've made a World Cup final and you play badly for 40 minutes, you, you, you can't write things or say things that the public are watching going, well, that's not what happened. And I think um, that's sort of bringing it full circle back to where we were. That's where it's tough for players. OK, time for Bose's handy tips about how we can all cope a bit better over the next few weeks and potentially months um, under lockdown. I think that's part of the problem, isn't it? We just don't know how long this is going to last. And that lack of control over our own lives can let anxiety creep in. But hopefully 
if we can all follow these little nuggets of advice, it may just help. Okay, first of all, take time for yourself to stay centred and sane. Number two, seize moments of calm. They may be few and far between, but they are out there. You just need to grab them with both hands. Number three, find your sanctuary away from the chaos. Now, if like me, your whole house is chaotic, then that might be hard. But there must be a little corner somewhere where you can take yourself off and just have a moment or two. Because remember, timeouts aren't just for kids. It's really important to take a little me time because it can go a long way. I know that sounds a bit selfish because I always feel guilty if I go off and read a book or listen to some music or have a bath or all three at the same time. But I think and hope that we all come back to our jobs in the house with the kids, with our family as better mothers, better partners, more productive if we have taken a bit of time out. Cabin fever is real. So one way to smash that oppressive feeling is to learn something new. Take up a new hobby, for example. Don't resist and fight the new norm. Embrace it. Shape it to suit you. For example, you could move rooms, change the layout at your home, create a new space dedicated to a new hobby. Make working for home work for you. Don't be afraid of the silence, if indeed it exists at any point during your day. It can be truly golden after all. Try to block out unhelpful noise and that will also reduce your anxiety. It's not where you work, it's how you work. So make it work for you with a little bit of help from Bose. Feel more, do more, be more with Bose. Do you know, like the whole nation, I was felt really flat after the end of the game. And it wasn't until I saw the, the photo of Prince Harry with Sia Khaleesi. Um, and I just had this moment where I was like, South Africa really need this uh, as a nation. And it felt a very powerful symbolic moment that hopefully would act as some kind of catalyst for social change. Now, I know that you're a big believer in sport as a vehicle for social change. Am I being an idealist? Am I being naive? Do you think that things will change in South Africa in, in, the, in the wake of this victory? Or do you think that um, now the emphasis has shifted with coronavirus that actually it's not going to have the room to blossom as it perhaps would have done otherwise? I think for that to happen, I think people like Khaleesi have got, to, whether they like it or not, have got to stay front and centre of the of the discussion. They've got to continue to dominate and dictate the terms of engagement, what's going on. I think the reality, as in most things in life, it's everything's chip paper sort of four or five weeks ago, four or five weeks later. Um, it was fascinating to hear Francois Pinard in the week leading up to the World Cup that it, he said if, if Khaleesi lifts this trophy, this would be bigger than me getting the trophy from Mandela. Uh, yeah, and John Smith saying that as well. Um, oh, that's giving me goosebumps. Yeah, so but without then changing this into a sort of socio-political economic debate, is that's all very well, as long as people are getting fed and they've got a roof above their head. Um, so the, the, the social angle here, um, 
you hope can create a togetherness behind the sport that can give them a focal point to cheer and support and be behind and be proud of as a nation. Um, that's got to go hand in hand with things that are taking place to look as though they're trying to raise the levels of equality. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, when all this Corona madness is over, are you going to be able to pursue other crucially important social programs like School of Hard Knocks or those kind of things? I know all of this matters to you. I mean, one thing that really concerns me in all of this, and it's a, it's a conversation for further down the line is the impact on charity from this, because, I think we've and rightly so we're, we're looking back to our own families to support them and I think uh, charities will be badly hit you know and people probably won't even be considering uh, kind of altruistic uh, philanthropic gestures at this time and probably not for a couple of years to come. No uh, you could always reframe it slightly and go actually does will this create an increased level of community will this create an increased level of awareness of uh, social disengagement in and around your area because of what's happening will you now leave your house with a very different set of bifocal lenses on that is actually aware as opposed to walking past walking away ignoring um, certainly the community groups that seem to have been set up everywhere Will this, um, you might go, this could shift it away from the massive charities, but might there be a sort of zero sum game? What I mean by that, where they lose money to the local, does the local infrastructure of charitable support go through the roof? Because actually people are now really conscious of what's happening on their own doorstep. So I think time will tell on that front, the, the flip side, and also the fact that when we come out of this, not just on a, on, on that level, do, do we realize, or will we be able to realize that actually as long as you've got family around you and um, you feel relatively healthy, then, then why not share, distribute, and make sure there's opportunity for all and uh, cash available for charities to find cures? Mm. Oh, fingers crossed. So, yeah, I hope you're right. Um, you've certainly been as motivated as ever. I lo love this idea of you doing the maths quiz. I definitely think in some ways you were too brainy to be a professional sportsman. wonder what other things you could have turned your hand to, because it seems like you're doing that right now. Tell everyone about the maths quiz and are you going to be doing more of them? Uh, the maths quiz, I've written two for tomorrow. That tomorrow's Friday. The, what's the date tomorrow? The 3rd. Friday the 3rd of April at 2 o'clock will be one very similar to last week. At 2.30 they'll be just ratcheted up slightly. Mm. So we'll try and catch, catch all. Doing one quiz for everyone means clearly that at some stage you're going to lose people throughout the course of the quiz. So if you do two and just tweak it, hopefully you'll have a little bit more uh, ability for all levels of mathematicians to have a wry smile across their face or go, oh, why did I put that? Um, the reality is um, I saw all these awesome chat shows and quiz shows and pub quizzes and Steve Batchel's Natural World lessons and Joe Wicks. And I thought, only, uh, I'm not going to stick my England kit on and run around in the garden and go look at me. 
Uh, Good. <laughs> so I thought, what do I actually like? I like like numbers, and um, I've always believed everyone can do maths. So let's let's start a little maths journey and, and see where it takes us. Nothing, nothing, nothing too complicated. Well, we'll see about that when I give yeah. it a go at two o'clock tomorrow. Um, Green's lovely to talk to you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your time, Greens. Always good to have a chat. As your second appearance on In the Pink, we should go for a hat trick. Always good to talk with Will Greenwood. Okay, loads of new guests on the way, including Sir Jackie Stewart, who tells us, amongst other things, where spraying champagne on the podium came from. Do you know? I didn't, and it dates way back to 1969. And please keep the feedback coming in. It's great to hear from you. It's great to keep building this little community of ours on In The Pink and keep chatting about who the guests we want to hear from. So it means you can also win a pair of those Bose noise-cancelling headphones. Still got five pairs to give away. So make sure you rate, review, subscribe, tag in a friend, add the hashtag Bose, and it could be you. And trust me, those noise-cancelling headphones an absolute blessing right now gives you just a little bit of me time we all deserve it okay until next week look after yourselves and stay connected bye for now this is a cast recommends every week we pick one of our favorite shows and this is one we think you're gonna love This is Not a Drake Podcast is a new series from CBC Podcasts that uses seminal moments in Drake's career to explore the history and evolution of hip-hop, R&B, and black culture and unpacks how rap is evolving with shifts in gender dynamics. It's also about the rapper who's blurred genres and dominated the world stage and the larger hip-hop movement that made him. You can subscribe to This Is Not a Drake Podcast on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts.